This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. Today we're going to listen to the final episode of The Zebra Man, recorded in my staff service at World Ministries International. This is day three. If you missed the previous two days of The Zebra Man, please go to my website, www.worldministries.org, and you can listen to them. I always create wealth, because I always used to say, my father's a creator, therefore, as the son of a creator, I create wealth. That's what I do. I don't look for a job. I look for opportunities to create wealth. And through that mindset, I created lots of wealth. Yeah, and it was a blessing. It was, uh, uh, may, this is interesting. We stayed in the same house for, for, uh, for 10 extra years when we could have paid a million dollars cash to buy something. I drove a 10 year old Dodge van when I could have paid cash for any car I wanted. One day, the woman I was married to, she comes to the driveway. I'm getting in the van to go somewhere. She goes, you, you need to get another car. I said, what's wrong with my van? It's, it looks nice. It drives fine. She said, it doesn't fit the image of where you are and what you're doing. You, you, you pull up these places in this old van. I said, well, it's good for construction work. It's good for this. And she said, we need a, you need to get a different car. She's got a BMW. She said, you need to get a different car. I said, well, okay, if you say so. I trust her judgment. So that's why I bought this, my first, I don't remember if that one was a BMW or a Lexus at that time. But it was the point was, I could have had anything I wanted, but I didn't want anything. Because for me, it wasn't about how much I can look. Later, it kind of traps you a little bit. You kind of get enamored by your appearance. So God was fixing all that stuff in me. So anyway, I go out to the car. I, there's a $100 bill. Wow, that was a lot of money. And there was a $1 bill. And, I, I'm, and there was a 5 and a 10 and a couple other bills. And I'm looking at them, and, and I, I'm praying over it. I don't know why I'm praying, but I'm just praying over the, over the currency. And the word says, uh, flip them so that they're, they're the same side. You know, there's this side and there's this side to, to currency. And so I, I put them so they're the same size. I says, now look at the $100 bill and look at the $1 bill. And I'm praying over it. I said, Lord, there's not much you can do with a $1 bill. And there's quite a few things you can do with a 100 but you still can't do a whole lot with it. But, but there's a 1 and a 100 And I'm just praying over it. And I'm talking to the Lord about I'm thankful for both of them. There's, I'm equally thankful. But then I say, but Lord, there's, there's not a lot I can do with a 1. He says, look, look at the 1. What does it say? And then look at the hundred. What does it say? On the back of both of them, it says, in God we trust. So he said, whether you have a one or whether you have a 100, your trust is in me, not in the size of the dollar or how many of them you have. And I said, okay, you've cured me. I got it. 
I'm fine with it. So that's how he purged me of the old nature towards wealth and towards money. So thank you very much for letting me talk to you. It's 52 minutes and 36 seconds. <laughs> I don't want to keep you any longer. <laughs> oh, the hair. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, you want me to do six minutes on the hair? Okay, the hair thing. Okay. So you have to turn for a minute to Second um, Kings chapter 1. It's right after 1 Samuel, and then it comes after 1 Kings. Second Kings chapter 1. It's just two verses. And it's in verses uh, 7 and 8. And this is a story about uh, the king wants to know who this guy just met. And so he, he says it this way. The king asked them, what was the appearance of the man who came to meet you and said these things to you? And they answered him in, in the Amplified. It says, they, he, they answered him, he was a hairy man with a wide weather band around his loins and Ahaza the the king said, that's Elijah the Tishbite. So the prophet was known by his appearance. The prophet was known by his appearance. So the quick story of how it even started, I went to South Korea from Ethiopia to help send coffee into South Korea from Ethiopia. And while I was there, in their culture, gray hair is not very favorable because in the corporate culture, all the executives have black hair. So if your hair starts to gray out a little bit, you can lose your status and you're soon to be exited from the corporate structure. So at this spa I go to where they sit in hot tubs and cold water plunges and things like that uh, and bathe, they have a man who colors hair in there. So they say, Jerry, how, how about we color your hair? I said, no, I'm happy with the hair I have. No, we, th we think you like crouching tiger. We want to put stripe down the center of your head. <laughs> So I say, okay, okay, go ahead, because it'll grow out. You know, I, I'm not too concerned about it. So they put stripe down the center, just down the center, crouching tiger. So I come back to Ethiopia. It's starting to grow out, so I go see the barber man, and he says, uh, oh, that's interesting. So I say, yeah, just cut it off and trim it like you do. He says, no, 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 I think we ought to expand it. Why don't we do more zebra stripes? He calls them zebra stripes. He says, why don't we turn your, your whole head into the idea of a zebra. And I'm like, okay, well, it'll still grow out. That's my thought. So we do it. So he does it. I walk out of the place, down onto the streets of the capital city of Addis Ababa, central Ethiopia, and people are looking. <laughs> by the dozens and then by the hundreds, wherever where I go, I go into a three-story shopping mall and the, 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 the younger girls are up on the top railing taking selfies of my head. <laughs> Posting it on social media there and telling their boyfriends, you ought to do this. We need a new hairstyle. <laughs> so it becomes very popular in a very short time. And so I'm still thinking it's a little hard to wear sometimes. You can't, you can't be invisible in the least. And so I'm thinking I'm going to cut it off. And, and the Lord says, you can't cut it off. This is, this is where God gets in. He says, you can't cut it off. I said, why not? He says, because John had camel hair, and you have zebra hair. I said, ha, ha, ha. He wore camel hair. He did not have camel hair. <laughs> That's what I said to the Lord. I said, he wore it. He did not have it. And he knew, he, I knew, he always gets me through humor. And if I ever get to tell you humor stories, you'd just laugh the way God does things with me. I'm humor. So he says, no, that's true. But also, Samuel, the prophet, was born from Hannah. 
And Hannah, when she made a commitment to dedicate him to the Lord, no razor ever touched his head. So how do you think, how do you think Samuel looked? He never had a razor at his head. How do you think he looked at 20 years old? Did he have dreadlocks? Did he have wild afro? What was his appearance from his hair like? Then he took me to about the 17th or 18th or 19th chapter of the book of Acts, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, who we all respect, shaved his head bald to fulfill a vow. So the Lord said, you can be bald, or you can be wild afro, or you can have zebra hair. <laughs> I said, I'll take the zebra hair. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's how God set it into me about hair having a, a certain draw to it, a certain dedication to it in the scriptures. Because I would never pick us, none of us would go do this kind of thing to our hair, except maybe for Halloween. <laughs> so, so then I'm, so I'm back in America here this last couple of weeks, and I'm thinking again, maybe I should just trim it, cut it, something. And the, then the Lord really stepped on my toe, and he said, don't you know the very hairs on your head are numbered? They're numbered. There's a count. There's a specific purpose. Why would you count the hairs on your head? There's a specific purpose for hair that God has ordained. I said, okay, I'm done. I'll never confront you on that topic again. However you want my hair to be, however short, like shave, like Paul, however long, like, like uh, Samuel, or however strange, I'm in. I I'm in 100%. You just take me and use me as you want. So we have a minute and a half to hit the 60, so I'm going to give you this last scripture because it's kind of, kind of funny. So look at, uh, this is really kind of interesting. So, so he was known as a hairy man. And then uh, go to Isaiah probably around chapter 20. I didn't write it down, but I kind of know where the scripture is because the Lord always bothers me with this one. In uh, Isaiah chapter 20, I'll just read a couple scriptures because this is the one where, where God made it so interesting to me that what you, th what you studied and prayed about and lived in American churches is not the whole Bible. Your cultural upbringing in America, in, in, in Bible, does not represent the entire concept of the Bible. Okay, so I have to reprogram you to your open-mindedness to look at the Scripture without a bias to learn from me. People asked me about, uh, last night people were asking me a lot about Muslims in Ethiopia. There's many Muslims in Ethiopia, not, not a great deal, but there's, there's a number of Muslims. But here's what I find, if I sit down and talk with them, a lot of them are Christian Muslims. So the way we label Muslim, I don't get too concerned about because he loves Jesus. And, and, and after we talked for a while, he says, you know, I, I don't talk to too many Christians because you guys don't like us. I said, well, I don't have any problem with it. He says, he, say, he says this way to me. He says, you're not like other Christians. I said, you're not like them either. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you pray five times a day. A lot of my Christian friends don't pray five times a day. They're not that conscious of God throughout the day. You're conscious of God throughout the day. You get down on your knees five times a day and pray. You're not like other Christians. He laughed. He said, we should have a beer sometime. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, so when we get to Isaiah, I'll finish with this, I promise. It says here that uh, it, there was a time of year in verse 1, and then in verse 2 it says, at that time the Lord spoke through Isaiah. He spoke through Isaiah, and here's what he said. Go untie the sackcloth from your hips and take off your sandals from your feet. And he did so walking naked, stripped from the waist down and bare feet. I said, please, God, no. 
<laughs> so in the next verse, he says, the Lord said, even as my servant Isaiah has walked stripped and barefoot for three years as a sign and a forewarning concerning Cush or Ethiopia. So maybe the hair is for three years. I don't know. I don't get too concerned about it. I just walk daily. So in the same way, the king of Assyria will lead this, then the Cushite exiles and all that stuff. It says in the Amplified in verse 4, the last part of it says, even with his buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt, to the shame of the world. So we have to understand that sometimes God takes us and makes us very unusual to the world to get their attention. And we represent the Most High God. We represent the Holy Spirit of God. We represent the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. And that we have a chance to draw their attention if God, if we'll let God do it His way. It doesn't, we don't do it to show off. We don't do it to be different. We do it because God ordained and set it as His plan or purpose for us to win a nation. Because Isaiah's call here is about the nation. My call is only one call, and it's about the nation of Ethiopia. So, uh, so God tells me, uh, you're going to Ethiopia and make a plan to go to Ethiopia. I'll skip the how I ever got the money to go to Ethiopia because that's a story in itself. But the make the part that, that you want to hear. I fly from Seattle to Chicago to get ready to board Ethiopian Airlines to fly to Ethiopia. At the airline counter, they say, your visa has been canceled because of the war. You can't go as a tourist. You can't, there's no tourist visas. I say, but I'm supposed to go. She says, well, you have a ticket, but you don't have a visa. I say, how do I get that? She says, I don't know if you can, but if you ever could, you'd have to go to the Ethiopian embassy in Washington, D.C. And I'm like, remember I said people gave me $1 bills and $5 bills and $10 bills. That's all I have. Now I have to make an extra flight to Washington, D.C. that was no, no budget for it. And I have to spend a night in a very expensive hotel somewhere. Even if it's a Motel 6, it's still expensive in Georgetown, Washington, D.C., or even in the heart of Chicago to get to the airport. So, so I'm, I'm actually freaking out. How am I ever going to do this? So I call Mike DeLorenzo in, in Seattle, and I tell him the story, and I'm crying. I'm actually crying. And I say, Mike, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, there, I said this honestly. I said, there's a bridge outside the window, not very far from here. I think I should just jump off the bridge and, and die. <laughs> he starts laughing. I was serious. <laughs> he said, Jerry, there's no great testimony without a great test. This is, this is, there's a test in this. I said, you think so? He said, it could only be, because everything else has been ordained by God. This, there's got to be a test in this, a testimony in this. So I said, okay. So I flew to Washington, D.C. I go to the Ethiopian embassy. I wait all day. There's hundreds of people in there trying to get visas just to transit through the nation to go wherever they're going. So at the end of the day, I'm the last person in the room. There's nobody else in the embassy but me, and the director walks out with his assistant. The whole place is ready to close. And he says, Mr. Crawford, I know you've been here all day. I know you have a ticket, but we're out of, we're out of visas. We have no more visas. But I'm going to call New York and see if I can borrow a visa for you. I said, okay. So he comes out an hour later. He says, I have some bad news. I can't get you a tourist visa. But I was able to get a borrow one that's now pasted in your passport. It's a two-year unlimited multi-entry visa. You're, 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 you can travel in and out of the country anytime you want. Nobody will hassle you for the next two years. I said, wow, that's a miracle. He says, I don't know if it's a miracle, but nobody gets them. So it might be a miracle. <laughs> we don't give those out. That, that's the only thing they had left in New York. And it's like old and dusty. <laughs> but it's in your passport now. You can travel. So that's how I get there. 
So, so now I'm delayed and I spend this extra money and I climb on the airplane and uh, before I get on the airplane, the, the lady says to me at the airline counter, she says, do you mind if I change your seat? And I say, by that time, I say, ma'am, you could put me in baggage claim. I, 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 I do not care. The overhead bin, I probably will fit. Just get me on the plane. So she does her little thing on the keyboard, and gives me a new boarding pass, and I go sit down on the airplane. What she had done was she changed it to like a more of an aisle, oh, an exit row kind of thing between me and the bulkhead. So there's a lot of leg room. She was just being kind. And I thanked her. I didn't thank her, but I'm thanking God. Oh, this is a nicer seat. And then there's a vacant seat, and then there's a man sitting next to me on the aisle. Dark-skinned man who lives in Atlanta, lives in Ethiopia. He's going to Ethiopia to help his father, who needs to go to medical treatment in Israel. So he's sitting on the plane, and he says, uh, it's, it's half empty, because nobody's going to Ethiopia for any reason. He says, why are you going to Ethiopia? I said, uh, he says, there's COVID, wiped it out, and the, the conflict and the war. Why are you going? I said, uh, do you believe in God? He said, yeah, I, I believe in God. So I, I told him the whole story. It's a 14-hour flight. I tell him all the story about Jesus having coffee with me. And I get to the part where I, I told him about one of the things Jesus said to me was, I made the Ethiopian people from the dust of the ground. And everything that nation needs is in the ground. I want you to go to that nation and bring their wealth out of the ground and give it to the people. I said, how am I supposed to do that? I know how to build houses. I don't know how. How do you take wealth out of the ground? He said, you're going you're gonna to do it through agriculture and through mining. I said, I don't know anything about either of those. He said, here's what he said. I will seat you with the people you need to know for agriculture and mining. I will seat you with the people you need to know for agriculture and mining. Well, at the time that Jesus told me that, 14 months before, I don't know what, what all that means, but I, I remember everything, every detail, because I wrote down, I came into the high, I wrote down everything he told me. I will seat you with the people you need to know in the nation for agriculture and mining. So I climb in the airplane. I'm talking to this man. His English name is Richie. He lives in Atlanta. And I tell him the whole story. And he says to me, it sounds like God put you on this airplane for me. I said, how could that possibly be? He said, our family, we're the largest private agricultural producers in the nation. And you've been seated next to me. The woman changed my seat to sit me next to him. God said, I will seat you with the people you need to know. And I'm sitting next to the private family holding company, the largest agricultural producers in the nation. So he says, I'm your benefactor. Everything you need in the nation, I take care of it. Where we need to fly, I'll pay for it. Where we need to stay, I'll pay for it. Where we need four-wheel drives and vehicles, I'll pay for it. I'll send my people with you. I'll provide all the security forces, all the army, all the guns, everything you need to travel the nation. We've been on the airplane five hours. God makes this total arrangement. And he says, where are you going? I said, well... I started off, I thinking I was going to go to the capital, as God had told me to add us, but instead the Lord came to my house another time, just before I'm to leave, he hits, hits me on the chest, he comes to my bedroom, wakes me up and says, I want you to go to Gondar, G-O-N-D-A-R. It's the ancient capital of Ethiopia. So I, I book a room in Gondar in northern Ethiopia, and so I tell Richie, I said, well, I'm, I'm flying to this town called Gondar. He says, that's our hometown. That's, <laughs> that's our family. We're from Gondar. I, I said, okay, that's why it all just was the Lord. So in, in, in order to answer um, Dr. Johnson's question about it, this recent, so I, I just had my one-year anniversary in June. Now it's four months later after June. During this time between our one-year anniversary and now, Richie says to me, uh, we've done all this agricultural work in the country, thousands and thousands of acres, hectares and acres. And he, and he comes to me and says, you know, Jerry, 
one of my relatives has this mining operation that they haven't started mining, but they have all the stuff from the government. I could buy it from him, but I don't want to run it. But I'll pay for it if you want to run it. I said, uh, I think that's the Lord. We have a mining company now. He said, I can make you a 49% partner because I have to own 51% as the national. He was the foreigner. So now you own 49% of a major mining operation in Ethiopia. And I'll pay for everything. When you have the money or when the company produces the money, you just pay me back the other half. No worries. I said, okay. So now I own a major mining operation in Ethiopia with no money. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this has been going on and on and on and on and on and on. I, I, I have a seventh floor office in the most beautiful office building in Ethiopia. It's the most beautiful office, all modern glass and stone and gray and all uh, iMac computers. It's just an amazing place. And uh, so that's my office. Yeah, I came from the corporate world. So this is, this is my office. And then, the, and then I don't have a place. So I live in out of a suitcase for more than a year, going from a hotel to a pension to a mud house with straw, wherever I can go. But God makes arrangements, helps me get some money. And now I live on the seventh floor in a brand new, beautiful apartment building with all fully furnished, designed by a decorator from Europe. It's the most beautiful. People come into my apartment going, this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. They come to my office. This is the most beautiful office I've ever been in. Here's the miracle of it. Both those things are miracles. The seventh floor of the seventh floor. Seventh is, in, in their language, Sabbath, Sabbat. And it also means rest. In, in Genesis chapter 2, on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. It says he would, in Amplified, it says his work was completed. So God said to me, it took me a while to get these buildings ready for you, but everything's completed. And now the nation you live in, everything you need to do in this nation for eternity is already completed. You're not making anything happen. You're bringing heaven to earth in Ethiopia. I'm going to make them the richest nation on the planet so that the kings of the earth come to the brightness of the rising and say, there must be a God in Ethiopia because no, no single leader could make this nation this wealthy and this successful and this peaceful this quickly. There must be a God in Ethiopia. That's his purpose and plan. And he said, I'm aligning it perfectly with Israel. Israel and Ethiopia are one. You'll find Ethiopia in the story of the Garden of Eden. A river comes out, breaks into four tributaries. The second river goes to the land of Cush, or the land of Abyssinia, or the land of Mesopotamia. They're all the same name for Ethiopia. So he said, I've had Ethiopia from the beginning, from the garden. I want it back in the garden, pristine condition that I intended it to be. And if I told you the rest of the story, you'd be amazed because in that same coffee time with Jesus, he bring the Queen of Sheba from heaven to meet me. And it says in Matthew 12, it says that the Queen of the South shall stand up in the last days in the judgment and judge this generation. She came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And now one greater than Solomon is here, meaning Jesus. So she comes and he, Jesus brings her to my house or to, into the vision with her and introduces us together. And he says... She's asked you to go. And she's taken her right hand of authority and put it in your hand because she reached out her hand into my hand. The, the last part was when she reached out her hand, her hand had been cut off, like by machete. So she was beautiful in every respect, but her right hand was missing. When I reached out to take her hand, it was so quick, she reached out her arm that did not have a hand. And when she reached it out and I touched where would be her hand, Jesus grew her hand out from her arm into my hand. And I'm looking at her hand in my hand like this. And I said, I, asked, I look at the Lord and I said, what is that? He said, your right hand is your hand of authority. It's what you scribe with. 
It's what you swear with. It's what you do many things with. It's the right hand of God. All these purposes for the right hand. But Ethiopians had a right hand cut off. They lost their authority in the earth. That's why they're in poverty. That's why they're in conflict. That's why they're in famine. And now she's, I've restored Ethiopia's authority through the queen of the south who resides in heaven. She's still called a queen. Her authority in heaven, just like there's principalities and powers and rulers over principalities, over nations and things, she's the ruler of Ethiopia in heaven. And she's come and put her right hand of authority in your hand, and now she's delegated her authority in the earth to you. And that's what you're to do. I tell you, it's um, fascinating. Those people that are watching right now, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, just say, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and my rebellion. Be my Lord and Savior. Find a good church. Learn the ways of God. Study your Bible. You can telephone 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. That's my office. We'll send you Christian literature. My website, www.worldministries.org. www.worldministries.org. Sign up for our newsletters. Again, we will send you my monthly pastoral articles that will help you on your journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.